welcome to the Guelph Politicast. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. Today I talked to Alex Smith, who is on the board of directors for the Yorkland's Green Hub. Though it goes by many names, the hub is dedicated to maximizing the natural and cultural heritage aspects of this large site in the East End that we will uniformly call for this podcast the Old Ontario Reformatory Lands. For 20 years, the fate of the OR lands and the many heritage buildings upon it have been a matter of some question, and the answer to that question is complicated by the tangled web of ownership between the city of Guelph and the government of Ontario. And as successive governments have worked to untangle that web, all that residents and history buffs have been able to do is plan, advocate, and educate. But what happens now, as we are so close to finally revealing the fate of the OR lands. That is the topic of this week's Guelph Politicast. In 1909, the Provincial Secretary for Ontario, William Hanna, began a progressive program for prison reform in the province. And the Ontario Reformatory in Guelph was perhaps the finest example of this idealism. At its height, the OR grew enough food on its property to feed every prison in Ontario, they mined stone from the property's quarry, and that was shipped all over the province in all kinds of construction. It also had manufacturing capacity, making blankets and metal products. On top of that, it was the prisoners that built the prison and other buildings on the property, and they also beautified the site with all the landscaping and the man-made lake there. There was a certain irony in one of the most beautiful places in Guelph being a prison site, but that's only because the inmates of the time made it so. But the OR closed in 2002. All the inmates were moved to other accommodations, and aside from the occasional film or TV production, the OR lands have been largely reclaimed by the people. Understandable, because this is a big piece of open land with tree-lined paths, trails through the woods, lakeside views and access, and magnificent stone buildings that you don't just see everywhere else in the city. It's a great place that you can almost never stop exploring but it's about to change in some very big ways. The first parcel of land, nearly 600 acres, has been sold to Fusion Homes, and development will start sometime in the next few years. A heritage district study is currently underway to determine what parts of the property can and will be saved for posterity. And then there's the Guelph Innovation District Secondary Plan that will guide any future development. But the fate of the property itself is still really up in the air. We're going to try and tackle all of these points on this edition of the Guelph Politicast. We will talk to Alex Smith about the goals of the Yorkland's Green Hub, the reasons for his personal involvement, and his interesting professional connection to the OR itself. We will also talk about the ownership of the property, all the plans developed so far for the site, and whether all the stakeholders are on the same page in terms of the efforts to preserve the OR land's heritage. And finally, we will talk about encouraging public access to the OR lands right now, whether or not the fate of the property is getting the right amount of attention this municipal election, and what you can do right now if you are concerned about the future of the OR lands. So I caught up with Alex Smith last week via Zoom. So Alex Smith, thank you so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure. Uh, first of all, you know, to sort of set the scene, why don't you start by talking about uh, what the Yorkland Green Hubs is, uh, maybe a bit about how long it's been around and, you know, maybe a bit about how you got involved. 
Okay, uh, so uh, your clan Green Hub is a not-for-profit organization. Uh, it's got about 300 members presently. It's dedicated to preserving a portion of the Guelph Reformatory lands for public use and uh, to promote uh, sustainability and create a self-sustaining education demonstration and research hub on the reformatory lands. The um, original vision was actually that of the Guelph Wellington Men's Club, which mm. uh, published a manifesto in 2002, chronicling their vision for the reformatory, which was as a environmental sustainability uh, interpretive education center. And uh, that vision really inspired a group of local citizens, including Nora Challoner, who's the chair of Yorkland Green Hub, uh, to form Yorkland Green Hub in 2014. Um, Yorkland's uh, vision is to cultivate a sustainable environment through education and research on renewable energy, water conservation, urban agriculture uh, uh, on our chosen site, which is the Yorklands, with its fields, wetlands, streams, and ponds. And it will champion a resilient and sustainable eco ecology and, and, and social and economic uh, innovations related to uh, renewable energy, water conservation, mm. uh, local food production, uh, cultural heritage, and outdoor education. Uh, mm -hmm. I got involved about uh, a little over four years ago, uh, and my involvement is uh, I uh, had a career as a Crown Attorney. Mm. Uh, Nora's husband, Dick Chellner, at one time was the uh, Deputy Attorney General, so he was my ultimate boss, uh, except for my political bosses. Uh, met Nora uh, once I retired about six years ago. Uh, Nora convinced me to uh, uh, get involved in your clients. Mm -hmm. Out of curiosity, you know, you you were a Crown Attorney. Um, I, I presume that uh, it was during a time when people were still being sent to the Ontario Reformatory. Very much so. Well, uh, uh, so I uh, worked as a crown for uh, in Guelph for mm -hmm. 12 years, uh, did, did the last 15 years of my career in Toronto. But during the portion I was in Guelph was essentially for the last 12 years that the reformatory was open. So uh, I, I, yes, had a role in uh uh, a number of people being there <laughs> and spent time in the institution out there uh, interviewing witnesses and, and, and the like. So mm. I, I had a definite connection uh, to the reformatory, which was part of the reason that I was interested in Yorkland Screen Hub. A personal and professional connection. Um, when you say a portion of the site, um, is there a specific portion in mind that um, you, you see this vision on the, the vision that Yorkland Greenhubs is talking about? Like, which it's, it's a huge site if, you know, for people who've been down there. So which portion are you talking about? 
Well, let, let's since not all of your listeners will will know the site. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's amazing how many people in Guelph know very little about the refinery. Actually, it's surprising. Mm-hmm. Although, uh, you know, I guess it's been closed for a long time, which mm-hmm. kind of explains it to some extent. So there are sort of three portions of mm-hmm. the land. There is the west portion, which is west of the Aramasa River which people will know in part as the old turf grass institute Mm -hmm. Uh, that portion has been purchased by fusion homes uh early this year and so they will be developing that portion and that's uh not quite half of the property right uh the south portion of the property is owned by the city so essentially the portion uh, south of Dunlop Drive, where, of course, the, uh, the garbage facilities are, uh, is owned by the city. And uh, one of the, the things the city plans to do with that property um, is their um, uh, services uh, uh, hub. Right. Uh, and... Uh, then the remaining portion, which is the portion that is sort of uh, from uh, uh, Watson uh, along York Road, uh, not to, to essentially uh, past the ponds. Right. So it's about, it, it's really the northeast quadrant and it's probably about a quarter of the property is still owned by the province that that's the portion of the property of course that has most of the historical buildings right clive creek uh most of the cultural heritage uh assets right uh, so that's the portion we're talking about and your clans would like to have a footprint uh on that property to do programming and, and whatnot so mm-hmm. We certainly recognize that uh, that there are development uses for some of that property, uh, and it's about a hundred acres. Um, but of the hundred acres, a good portion of it is wetlands, right. has cultural heritage features, is floodlands, uh, what have you. So a, a large portion of it is not. Uh, a good land for development and so we'd like to see that land preserved for public access mm-hmm. uh you mentioned a lot of people don't really uh know much about the site and i would confess that i'm sort of one of those people and i actually went down there um and walked through the land for the first time a couple of weekends ago i i went uh from Stone Road, uh, where the the old Heritage Bridge is, um, and walk down the pass all the way out to York Road, um, and that's well. I mean, I was stopping a couple of times and taking pictures and things, so that was probably an hour and a half, hour forty five minutes total, sort of walking through the. Well, it's not just woods, but you know, there's um, there's open spaces. There's the quarry site as well. The 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 amphitheater. Um, one of the things I noted, and and um, maybe you can let shed some light on this, is uh, the Cargill plant that's there. Um, I mean, how is that situated in the site? And I guess, uh, I mean, I recognize it's it's private. There's a big fence, uh, obviously, around the, the plant. But um, am I correct in sort of my thinking that this is kind of like 
any plans for for any of this land it has to work around cargill uh, absolutely and and any plans for uh anything on the site have to take into account the fact that uh there's going to be uh huge development uh, uh by fusion homes and portion of the site and there's going to be other uh development on part of the site the 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 Cargill plant, though, is very much intertwined with the history of the site mm. uh, be, because one of the things that was developed, uh, we, we can talk about the cultural heritage significance in a moment, mm. the Cargill site was developed as a means of providing inmates with a trade, meat cutting. Really? Uh, and so a meat cutting plant was uh, opened at, or an abattoir as part of the whole agricultural uh, part of, of the reformatory, uh, became better beef, became Cargill. And so now that's part of, of Cargill. And, 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 and certainly uh, your clan green hub, and I think most people uh, see that as an asset and, and, mm. and no one's at all interested in, in stifling, uh, you know, development and employment on the site. Is Cargill part of like as as a company? Are they part of any like considerations for some of the work, whether it's the city's doing on the heritage plan or work Yorkland Green Hubs is doing? Like, are they interested in the heritage aspect of their facility? I I, I think they probably are. We we've had some uh, brief conversations with Cargill, but not not much. Uh, but but. I, I I suspect that as uh, the the city moves forward with the designation process with respect to the the land, I, I know for sure that Cargo w- will be invited as one of the partners uh, that uh, the city will be talking to, and and I have no doubt they will take an interest. What what their interest is, mm. uh, you'd have to ask them. They 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 you know they're of course a uh, a, a large uh, multinational corporation, right. uh, and Guelph is a small part of uh, <laughs> uh, of, of um, their business, but they're also, you know, a pretty significant local uh, employer. So, right, I think they will take a real interest in in the site and what's happening there. Okay, that's interesting. I actually didn't know about the 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 history behind the plant i just thought uh, a cargill plant kind of grew in the middle of this section for some weird reason but um it does make me think of the the various heritage aspects and, and you, you were uh mentioning that too uh obviously the the jail building itself is is significant um but you know again having my my own experience walking through the site um it's hard not to imagine that for anyone who's interested in preserving the cultural heritage value um, there's, there's probably significance probably in every square meter of, of this land. Yeah, I, I, I think that, I think that's right. Uh, uh, and, and let's talk, let's talk a little bit about the significance of mm-hmm. the site. And let me give you a little bit of history. Okay. Of the site. And if I go on too long, uh, let me know. So, um, 
I mean, the reformatory really is a historical gem, and it's been recognized as a uh, cultural heritage site of provincial significance uh, by the province, and 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 I think arguably a uh, a, a cultural heritage site of national uh, uh, significance. It really is quite unique, both in the annals of uh, correctional history uh, in our country. And it just happens to be a big chunk of important land with cultural heritage assets on it that's still available. And, and you know, that's not, there's, there's not a lot of them going around. Uh, so in uh, 1909, about a thousand acres were purchased by the province along York Road mm -hmm. as a site for a new concept of imprisonment of prison, uh, employing the use of productive work and training as a means of rehabilitating inmates and giving them employable skills. So up until this point, prisons were somewhere where, where people were excluded from society and punished. And, right. and you know, we like to think that uh, reformation is an important part of locking people up. Uh, and today it is, uh, but in at the turn of the last century, that it was not. Mm -hmm. uh, this was really something new. The reformatory's principal buildings were designed by a guy named John Lyle, who was a, a, a leading arch Canadian architect of his time, and who designed many public buildings, including Toronto's Union Station. Mm -hmm. um, the landscape includes ponds, waterway, dry stones, uh, stone walls, stairs, gates, bridges, terraced gardens. All of that was inspired by the City Beautiful movement, of which Lyle was a proponent. Um, the conversion of prison reform and the City Beaut Beautiful movement was no accident. The theory was you give people a beautiful place they're responsible for keeping it beautiful. Mm. Uh, they take some pride in themselves and become productive citizens. Mm -hmm. uh, while the reformatory buildings and landscapes may have been designed by professionals, most of the work was done by the prisoners themselves. So a number of prisoners were transported from the central prison in Toronto uh, and lived on farmhouse properties and some, some temporary wood frame dormitories on the land uh, while they built uh, the present buildings, uh, which is quite remarkable. I, you've been on the property, so you've seen those buildings. Yeah. They're well crafted. And so part of what was happening was these prisoners were learning trades, including stonemasonry. Uh, and uh, they, if you look at the quality of the buildings, they clearly le learned their, their trade well. Mm -hmm. um, and this was an early example of a, a really circular economy. Mm. Uh, most of the building products were quarried. The stone was quarried in the quarries that you no doubt saw while you were out there yep. on the site. Yep. Uh, a lot of the lumber came from the site. Uh, so the inmates were taking stuff on site. They actually built a little railway 
to move stone from the quarries to the building sites. Mm. Uh, and uh, uh, so, you know, this was, and, th and then the inmates uh, inhabited the prison that they'd built for themselves. So it's, uh, it's kind of a neat concept. And, and I don't say this in any Pollyanna way. I, I appreciate <laughs> indeed that today, some may take umbrage with the fact that we were using prisoners to build their own jails. Right. Uh, but in the day, it was a concept of teaching these people how to work so that when they leave the penal institution, uh, they can make their way in the world in a way that doesn't involve crime. And since they were building it, they, they probably were less prone to, you know, do it kind i guess to borrow a phrase half-assed because they were going to be populating the building they were building <laughs> uh, i i suspect that's true i suspect they took a, a pride in it and 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 the rules were kind of different they had more freedoms uh different haircuts different clothes than they had in in some other penal institutions uh, mm. in the country mm. um so the the buildings were the the basic buildings were were uh, built by about 2015, and uh, by then the jail was up and running as a a going concern. In 1917, uh, correctional services were suspended on the the site, and it was converted to uh, accommodate soldiers returning from World War One. Mm -hmm. So it was officially known as the Guelph Military Convalescence Hospital, uh, but was called Speedwell by the people who uh, inhabited it and, and worked there. And uh, disabled soldiers received therapy uh, while they were being trained in agriculture, woodworking, motor mechanics, the same things that prisoners had been trained in. And by uh, uh, 1919, more than 900 veterans were being treated at the facility, uh, and it remained open until 1921 when it uh, reverted to its use as a prison. Mm -hmm. uh, so Guelph had long served as a model for correctional facilities focusing on prisoner rehabilitation in place of, of, of punishment. Uh, it's large scale, it's emphasized on work program, it's large fields, and its location on rich soil allowed it to lead the way in the push towards uh, a rehabilitation agenda. Mm -hmm. uh, the intention of the institution towards rehabilitation uh, by exposing them to uh, a range of practical work experiences uh, uh, resulted in um, uh, a very successful in, uh, institution that, that uh, really lasted on that model into the 1970s. And by that time, it was uh, producing sufficient food production uh, uh, to feed the other jails in the province Oh, wow. and uh per, and 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 earn profits of about a half million dollars from its various industries and back then a half a million dollars was a, a fair chunk of change a lot of money yeah absolutely <laughs> you mentioned um, sorry, sorry go ahead. no i just wanted to to stop for a minute because you mentioned the railway that they had a railway system that they used to run the rocks back and forth 
there is am i right in assuming that old railway bridge that goes across the river like sort of halfway through the the site is a, a remnant of that absolutely so so it's not it's not a remnant of the original okay. uh, 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 railway because the original railway was a narrow gauge railway that was built to move the stone on site. Right. And they would just move the railways to wherever they needed the stone. Okay. Uh, ultimately, though, they were producing a lot of gravel, a lot of stone and a lot of other products that had to be shipped off the site. And so the trestle bridge was built, uh, and uh, I, my dates may not be entirely <laughs> accurate. Um, I, I know many better historians with respect to the site, uh, but I believe about 1919, the trestle bridge was uh, built. And that was to link uh, the railways on the reformatory uh, to the Guelph Junction Railway and ultimately to the CPR. Interesting. And, and so they would actually use the trestle bridge to ship a lot of goods uh, off uh, uh, the property and around the province of Ontario. Interesting. Okay. I, did, I sort of interrupt, but I, I let's pick up uh, where we were in the, the 70s. Yeah, so uh, the philosophy behind the prison is also... Uh, 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 evident in the architecture, and and so the police, or sorry, the prisoners were responsible for the tree line drives, the open lawns, the various tree collections, uh, the formal fork cart, court, forecourt in the administrative building, um, uh, and all of those areas that were open to public view, and so they built and maintained those. Mm. And the public were welcome on the property, which is, you know, for a prison. Yeah. And, and, and people from Guelph really did, and we can talk about this uh, later, but, but people on, uh, on Guelph really did go to the reformatory and, and, and use the, the, the land. Mm. Um, ultimately, uh, the... Um, government began to scale back uh, uh, farming operations on the site in uh, the 1960s. And uh, by about 1972, the government announced that most of the farming operations at the center uh, uh, would be discontinued. Mm. Uh, and from there, uh, uh, the the, the province was left with a very large institution uh, that was in many ways outdated. And so in uh, 2001, uh, the, uh, the prison was ultimately decommissioned and essentially has sat idle, mm. uh, apart from some filming and a few activities <laughs> uh, since that date. Mm -hmm. So keeping with all all this kind of kind of history in mind um and i know that there's a there's a process underway and i think a lot of people are aware of this the the district uh the heritage district part five review um do you have a sense that it, when it comes to like preserving the site or or when it comes to i guess recognizing which parts of the site are maybe the most important to preserve that there is a 
I guess maybe a consensus that everybody is kind of going to the same place with with the with what needs to be preserved on the site. I I, I hope so, but but we will see. Um, so you may recall that when uh, the designation issue was first before city council, city staff were recommending the part four designations mm -hmm. only mm -hmm. uh, be made. And so part four designations, part four of the Ontario Heritage Act. And, and so those designations are of individual properties. So it would be of individual buildings or individual heritage assets. Uh, and your clans took the position that that wasn't good enough because mm -hmm. it would leave out some assets that weren't identified. And also it wouldn't protect the entire landscape. And, and so if you, for instance, you designate the administrative building, uh, th that gives it some protection. But it doesn't necessarily give the tree line drive up to the administrative building any right. protection. And uh, uh, while some of the other assets, for instance, the quarries, the trestle bridge that you spoke of, the Matthews farmhouse, which is sort of on the uh, northeast corner of the property, uh, they're all they're all assets that are listed under the inventory of cultural heritage uh, uh, assets, uh, but they're not protected under Part Four, and right. and so a Part Five designation. Uh, in my view, would give the entire property and those assets uh, much better protection. Uh, and, you know, I mean, we'll find obviously that's a position that the council supported. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll find out where it goes through the process that we're into right now. So, you know, I, 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 I hope we'll find that city staff will essentially follow uh the direction of council but city staff would remind me and anyone else who's listening <laughs> that what council voted for was a part five study right because that's all they can vote for they and the study has to precede the designation so that's the process that we're into so when you say is everyone on the same page i hope so but at this point, I don't know. Well, implicit in what you just said, though, is like a concern. And I, and I think that's not an unusual concern, given some of the friction between city staff, Heritage Guelph, you know, people who are concerned about heritage assets in the community. I think this has been pretty well documented the last couple of myself included, have been documenting it um, that, you know, staff could come back and say, well, yeah, we're we've done this study we're satisfied that a part four designation would be fine and then that would kind of open a kettle of fish because uh, there's i think there's there's an expectation i think on the part of a lot of people in the community and you, you may be among them that you know the, the this the the site as a whole is more important than any one asset that's certainly my view okay uh, let, 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 let me say this though mm-hmm we're, we're into a process. The process is to do the study. Mm -hmm. uh, a consultant's been hired for that process. And the consultation process 
has started and will continue. Uh, I take the city and city staff uh, at face value. Uh, I assume they're going to do this study uh, to determine what's the right thing to do. Uh, I have pretty fixed ideas on what the right <laughs> thing to do is, and I think it's a Part 5 designation. And, and I think the arguments in favor of a Part 5 designation are exceedingly strong. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any potential that ultimately the study could recommend that there not be a Part 5 designation? Uh, of course there is. And if that happened, I think we would find a lot of people in the city would get very upset and very excited. Mm. Uh, I, I, I don't think that there was any expectation when the city staff report uh, this past year was was issued uh, suggesting that there should be some part four designations only. I don't don't think anyone envisaged that that would be problematic. And yet Mm. a great many Guelph citizens disagreed and made their views known to council. And as a result of that, uh, council acted to uh, order the study. I suspect if the study comes back and says no part five designation, that many of those same citizens Mm. will be irate once again, and they will make their views known very clearly uh, to the new council. Is this, I you know, one doesn't want to ascribe nefarious uh, motives to people in government, but I wonder if maybe it's an example of staff being cautious. Like, because you said, you know, part four, no one was going to have a beef with a part four uh, designation or a part four study, but, you know, perhaps, you know, no one wanted to get hopes up that, you know, some of the great aspirations for the site could be, um, preserved or i guess no one wanted to get any hopes up that um those visions could could come to reality that you know here's a big piece of mostly open land and uh that is a a rare and rarer and rarer asset inside of the city and uh there i mean there are probably a lot of people who wouldn't mind getting a piece of that land to develop knowing that they would probably make a pretty good buck off of it and, and I don't think anyone objects to uh, uh, large portions of the land being developed and, mm. and, and developers making their money. Uh, we're, we're not anti-development at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're just into preserving uh, 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 important cultural heritage assets. And, and, and let's just step back and remember that it was the same city and and, and city staff who uh, 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 built the uh, innovation district secondary plan. Mm-hmm. And, and so when that was passed in uh, 2014, it recognized the need for development. It also recognized the importance of heritage assets on the, the sites and preserving them. And, and so 
you know, the the in the view was that the city would buy a large chunk of this land and they'd be able to control development. Hmm. Uh, now, unfortunately, in 2019, the present council uh, voted against it. I'm not going to comment on whether that's the best thing to do or not, but it certainly limits their ability to control what happens on the site. Right. But, 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 you know, I don't assume anything but that city politicians and city staff want to do the right thing. And, and uh, so like for, for the life of me, I, I don't understand why, as a city, we don't recognize the value of this for development, mm. for saving something unique uh, for the people of, of, of Guelph. I mean, once this property is gone, it will be gone. Mm. And either it will be a property uh, that has some real economic benefits to the city and has some real aesthetic benefits to the city, or it won't. Mm. Because let's face it, if if a developer was able to buy the whole shebang, uh, they could exclude the public entirely. Right. And, and, and I'm not sure there's a lot that the city could do about that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, what annoys me about the city, if I'm being blunt, is that no one is championing this site. No one is out there uh, shaking the bushes to try and find a developer who will make find an adaptive reuse for those historical buildings. Uh, that, that, that doesn't mean the city doesn't want it to happen. Uh, I, I'm just, I, I, think, I just think it's unfortunate the city is not playing a more fundamental role in trying to make it happen. It's funny you should say that because as you were talking, I was thinking about the never-ending sort of you know i guess effort to get uh, a grocery store in the sort of the starwood watson york area of of ward one and that's something that consistently comes up in conversation and you hear the ward one counselors and the mayor say like well we're always on the phone with people trying to you know <laughs> trying to encourage something to happen in, in 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 regards to answering that that demand um what you're talking about is that maybe there should be a, some sort of similar campaign. It's like, hey, we have this really great heritage property that, you know, could suit any number of needs. And that that's maybe an issue that should come up with, you know, the election we have right now. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I would hope that the York lands will or the reformatory lands will be an election issue from from the point of view that. I hope electors, uh, when people come knocking on their doors, say this is an important important issue to me. Th th this is a place where I like to go and walk, like to walk my dog. Uh, my kids have had nature programming out there, uh, and we ought to preserve it. Um, you know, I there's an awful lot of people in Guelph uh, who like the site. Uh, and think it's really important to Guelph's future. Mm. Um, whether City Hall share that view or not, we will see. Uh, I don't know. I, I think experiencing it is sort of key to 
understanding it. And I, I think I was sort of, uh, I guess, apolitical or, <laughs> or atheistic about maybe what the, fight, the, the fate of the site would be. Um, you know, actually stepping foot on the land is to kind of understand its its immense value because it's hard to walk through a portion of it where you don't see that value. And I guess thinking along these lines, um, could we be doing more and, and what would that look like to sort of encourage people to come here and look at it firsthand and look at it from the, the point of view of being on that site and sort of appreciating the, the hidden values? Well, we could do a lot more. Uh, 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 for instance, one thing we could do is provide for some kind of parking uh, mm-hmm. so that people could come on the site. I mean, you came in from the south end, yeah, uh, and you can park there. You can park. Uh, I mean, the old the the scout camp out there uh, are very kind in letting people park in there parking area and whatnot, and then you can walk across. But if you're coming in the natural way through the main gate from York Road, there's nowhere to park your car. It's all no parking. And and, and, and a lot of people find that very frustrating. Um, York Lands Green Hub uh, take all kinds of people out there for walks. So, you know, we invite service organizations, city staff members, city politicians, Anyone who will listen to us, we always say, as we'll say to you, uh, you, you know, we'll take you for a walk if you want and, <laughs> and give you our little spiel about the history of the place and po- point out some things that perhaps you didn't notice while you're out there. But the problem is the vast majority of people in Guelph have never been out there. And when you go out there, it really opens your eyes. It's yeah. just such a wonderful asset. And, you know, it's interesting we, I don't know about when I say we, certainly my family uh, goes to places that are hundreds of miles away that are similar to that, just to visit them. And, you know, and we could, this could be a tourist destination uh, uh, for people. And, you know, if your plans had it w- its way, it would be uh, some aspects of the brickyards in Toronto, which, you know, attracts hundreds and thousands of, 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 of visitors every year. Uh, but it's so much more because there's a lot of land there. And there's trails all over the property, as you know. Uh, there's the historical buildings. There's all the walls. There's the, uh, the, the water, you know, the, 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 the water features. It's just an amazing place. And, and, uh, and, and you know, I think if people went there, and experienced it, uh, they would say uh, with a loud voice to our politicians, we cannot lose this. Mm. Mm-hmm. Do, do you have a favorite part of the site? Yeah, it's funny you should say that. Uh, <laughs> I do have a favorite part of the site. And my favorite part of the site is very much in danger. So oh. I like Clyde Creek which is the creek that's, that's at the front of the site. And, and Clive Creek was built by inmates. So it, it used to be a creek, you know, just another creek. Uh, and if you go there, 
it's hard to see because it hasn't been maintained. But if you look for it, you can see all the features, all the stone work on the stone features. So until about uh, 2005, uh, Clive Creek was maintained to some degree, and then it became overgrown. Uh, but it was beautiful. I mean, people used to go out there and get their wedding photos taken. It used to be perhaps the most popular place in Guelph for, for wedding photos. Um, and as I say, it's been there for a hundred years. The inmates built it and it was beautiful. Uh, in uh, the 1950s, the Toronto Star ran a story with a big picture of Clyde Creek and they described it as a thing of beauty where uh, there used to be a weedy creek. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, what the city plans to do is they plan to uh, divert uh, Clive Creek, mm. leaving the man-made waterway is essentially as rubble in a ditch and run a new creek uh, further to the south as part of York Road widening. Mm. Uh, and not only that, the plan is the plan will require most of the mature trees along York Road uh, and along Clyde Creek to be cut down, mm. uh, which I think is unfortunate. Uh, I, I think if people knew that, uh, they'd be really upset. But we talk to city politicians and they don't know that that's the city plan for, for Clyde Creek. So you know, we have uh, John Valeriot, uh, who's a, a was a prom uh, now retired, but a prominent lawyer in the city. Uh, his family took a video of Clyde Creek in about 1940s, well, mm. of property, but Clyde Creek features in it, mm. and it's just beautiful, and 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 you know, place of tranquil tranquility. Uh, they went out. They, these were members of his family that were from Chicago and they brought a movie camera with them and took this charming uh, uh, movie that sh that really shows how wonderful a a an asset it was. And this is on a prison yard, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's just an amazing place. And, uh, and yet Clyde Creek is going to go. And uh, there's some suggestions that the ponds out there, which were dug by prisoners, again, a double-edged sword because it's a wonderful thing. Uh, but do we think prisoners really should be digging out ponds? You know, it's... Uh, it's, it's one of those things where history um, has two sides to it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, there's some suggestions that that uh, the uh, the ponds would be uh, uh, filled in and and uh, left to revert to uh, uh, swamps, essentially. Uh, and you know, I mean, I'm sure there are lots of proponents of naturalizing. Uh, 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 features and 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 I understand that, uh, but we've got lots of weedy creeks. We only have one Clyde Creek with yeah. you know this man-made water feature. It's just it it really is quite amazing when you look at uh, the the old photographs. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know we're we're in danger of losing it, which I think is really unfortunate. And, you know, I mean, let's face it, uh, 
if 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 you really believe you can naturalize things, uh, so why can't you knock down buildings? Why why can't mm. we knock down the 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 the, the, the administrative building, the jails, all that kind of stuff, and let it be naturalized? Well, because they are uh, heritage features that were created by the labor of men uh, that we place some value in, and, 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 and that's why. So, you know, some would say uh, putting rocks at the side of a, and, and, and weirs and, and bridges and whatnot on a creek uh, are destroying a natural feature, and, and and maybe they are, but that happened a hundred years ago, and that's our heritage, a hundred years of heritage. Mm. So my, you know, Clive Creek is my favorite, and unfortunately, I may not get to see Clive Creek too much longer. <laughs> well, um, that's certainly sad to hear, and um, I I just uh, before we wrap up, I just you know want to say. It is, to borrow a phrase, worth the drive. Um, it, it, you know, and and it, it, like I said before, it is something you don't really appreciate until you're standing there, um, especially given all this. And when you understand the history you've been talking about, and you know how it's built by uh, all this manual labor, or granted involuntary manual labor, but um, you know, people worked hard and they built something. And, um, you know, a hundred years later, uh, it's still there and, and, but perhaps in danger. So Alex, um, people listening to this maybe want to, uh, you know, maybe get involved in somehow and in the protection of the site, maybe want to reach out to you for, uh, that tour. Uh, how can people get involved with the Yorkland's Green Hub? So uh, just Google Yorkland's Green Hub. Uh, uh, our site has got lots of information. Uh, they can look for information about what we do. They can look for information about uh, how to get involved, how to volunteer. Uh, and uh, our, our walks, so uh, most Sundays we have walks out there or uh, a, a great number of Sundays in any event. Uh, so they can find out when the walks are occurring and all they have to do is show up at the front gate, uh, park, park somewhere legally. So you don't get a <laughs> ticket. Uh, and, uh, people are more than welcome, uh, to come on the walks. And as you say, uh, it, it opens the eyes of a great many people. Uh, you know, I mean, one of the values, uh, of our of the walks quite apart from uh, opening people's eyes is we get a lot of our membership that way. You know, people go <laughs> for a walk and they say, gee, uh, where do I write my check to? You know, it's uh, it's wonderful. So uh, just simply Google Yorkland Green Hub and uh, they'll find uh, a litany of information about uh, uh, what's going on with the reformatory lands. That's perfect. And I would also say that they could take the number four uh, York bus. It drops you Indeed. off right at the gates almost. So Right. Uh, that way you don't have to worry about parking. But Alex, this was so great. Um, you know, I, I think we hope that uh, it does become an election issue. And um, 
and uh, or if if nothing else encourage people to sort of take the afternoon and go out there and check it out and see what so many people are are fighting for but i thank you for your your insight and your uh, passion and your uh, time here today thank you so much it's a pleasure thank you very much and once again, that was Alex Smith. You can learn more about the Yorklands Green Hub at their website, yorklandsgreenhub, all one word, dot C-A. The hub will be holding a tree festival on the OR lands on Saturday, September 24th from 1 to 3 p.m. And you can find out all the information about that on the YGH website. For something a bit more formal, there will be an in-person open house about the Heritage Conservation District study for the OR lands on Thursday, September 29th at 6.30pm at the Royal Canadian Legion branch number 234, which is probably not coincidentally right next to the OR lands itself. The city is also collecting your feedback on the review, and you have until October 13th to provide that at the Have Your Say page. Whew! And that is it for this edition of the Guelph Politicast. The music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. The Guelph Politicast is usually recorded at CFRU, Guelph Campus and Community Radio, out of the University of Guelph. And to learn more about CFRU, go to CFRU.ca. You can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel... You will get an episode of Open Sources Guelph on Mondays and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. You can follow Guelph Politico on social media at Guelph Politico on Twitter and at Politico Guelph on Facebook. You can follow me at Adam A. Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram. And you can send me an email at adamadonaldson at gmail.com. If you'd like to help financially support the work of Guelph Politico, you can get all that information at guelphpolitico.ca slash donate. And finally, for all the latest local political news, including election news, check out GuelphPolitico.ca, where there will be a new episode of the Politicast for you this time next week. And until then, we'll see you next time.